0: You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. So a couple questions to get us started this morning. Do you, and this is audience participation time, okay? And I, I like really, really, I'm going to ask a question. I really, really want you to respond because otherwise I end up feeling awkward. And then I go home feeling lonely and angry and it just sets the tone for a bad week. I mean, there's a lot of, so raise your hand if you like jerky. Most of y'all, okay, keep your hands up, okay, okay. Okay, now, raise your hand, all right, so, so raise your hand if you believe, so I, I killed a deer and made some jerky. Raise your hand if you believe the jerky I made is good, tasty, and probably won't kill you. Raise your hand, raise your hand. Let's see, hold on, I'm looking around. Keep your hand up, keep your hand up. Okay, Robin, come up here, will you? No, I mean, you believe it, so come on up, bro. Right? I, I know, I, no, trust me, come on, it's, it's fine, Robin, come on up. I got something in my pocket. Don't freak out, it's jerky. Everyone relax. <laughs> Y'all just chill. <laughs> Be cool, everybody. All right, so Robin has said, by the way, they give it up for Robin. Give it up for Robin. You have said that you believe that I can make good jerky. And so what I have in this bag is some of the jerky I have made. So go ahead and just have a piece. Just, no, I know it's fine. Just right here in front of everybody. It's fine. (laughs) No one's looking. It's not like we're live streamed. What do you think? It's good. It's good? I mean, good or great? It's great. Okay. It's great. Okay. You know what? You're not sincere. Get off the stage. Thank you, Robin. (laughs) Give it up for Robin. Great job. Uh, And if you need to go get a drink or anything, I understand that. it's kind of spicy. Um, all right, so I think we just witnessed something, right? We just learned a lesson. Number one, I am a good jerky maker. That was the first thing. Uh, but, the, but the other thing we witnessed is that if you say you believe something, your life should then reflect what you say you believe. Uh, Robin said she believed that I made great jerky. She was passionate about it. And then she came up, and her life actually, she's still chewing it. It's my first time, all right? All right. <laughs> Yeah, you'll be enjoying that through the 1130. (laughs) But I mean, if you say you you believe something, right, then your life should reflect that belief. And this is what we've been talking about with God for the last few weeks. People say, oh, I believe in God, but nothing about their life seems to reflect any belief in God. And we're the church. If we say we believe in God, uh, that belief has to be something that actually motivates the way we live and the way we talk, and everything we do should look like We believe what we claim to believe, right? This isn't the same thing as a belief in jerky or a belief in, you know, planets. Uh, Those things might not change your life. But a belief in God should be life-changing. And it's not the belief that changes your life. It's God who changes your life. But God comes into the lives of those who believe. And so this is what we've got here. This should be a life-changing belief. Philippians 2, I like the way Paul says this. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you, have all, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Continue to work out your salvation. Meaning God has done something in you. That's God. This isn't about earning your, your salvation. Or it's not your works that save you. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying something has happened. And if you believe that, then you should work that out. It's not just about what you think, it's also about what you do. And then he said, remember, it's not you, it's God who works in you. But God works through people who believe. And so if there's no evidence of God working through you, then it's, it's time to question, do you really have the belief or not? But God has done the work. God has given you something. Now you must work it out so that it's a noticeable, like, like a, a bicep. We all got a bicep, right? But if you never work that bicep out, it's not really that noticeable to the world. Trust me. (laughs) It's like abs. Everybody's got abs. You know, just did you work them out or not? So I mean it's like, do you believe what you claim to believe? And so these are our questions that we're coming back to. And the first question is, what do you believe? What do you believe? What do you believe about Christmas? (laughs) What do you believe? What do you believe happens when the king of the world comes into your world? What do you believe happened on that first Christmas when Christ, when, when the, I mean, this is the one who created the world and he takes on flesh and he comes into the world. What do you believe about that? What does it mean for you that Christ has come into your world? The second question we're asking is, does your life bear witness to what you claim to believe? If you believe that Jesus Christ is the king of the world and if you believe that God is all-powerful and all-knowing and almighty and all these things and you believe that that God is in you, does your life bear witness to that belief? And the third one is, do you really want Christ in your Christmas? It's one thing to say we want it. It's one thing to wear the shirt. It's one thing to post the post. But it's another thing to actually live like you want Christ in your Christmas. Because remember, if he shows up, he's going to take it. She's still chewing the beef jerky. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> do you want Christ in your Christmas? Uh, Last week we talked about Matthew, and what we're doing is we're just kind of going through and seeing what sort of some of the heroes of our faith believed, and asking ourselves, do we believe that? And this week we're going we're gonna to talk about Luke and what did Luke believe, and hopefully some of you read the first few chapters of Luke this week. But before we jump into that, let me, let me tell you just a little something about Luke, because I think it's important. Uh, what most of the authors of the Bible shared a nationality. Does anyone know what that nationality would be? Jewish, Jewish right, most of them. Luke is a little different. Luke is probably uh, Greek, he's Gentile, so he's non-Jewish. And so Luke is actually writing to a different audience. Matthew was a Jew, Jewish person writing to Jewish people, and so he had a specific view on things. Now Luke agrees with what Matthew says, they believe the same thing, but because Matthew is not a Jew writing to a non-Jewish audience, they see the world a little differently, and so it's cool to understand that. And, and Luke in chapter 1, which is where we're going to be today, you can open up your Bible there, I'll put the verse on in just a second, Luke has this story that he tells uh, about a virgin. Anyone know the virgin's name? Mary, right? Luke, Luke And I know she's a virgin because Luke says she's a virgin like 14 times, over and over and over, to the point where Mary's probably like, okay, you know, it's like, enough. But Luke continually refers to Mary as the Virgin Mary because there's something about that, that that he wants us to know. But Luke tells this story that one day Mary, and Mary is probably, remember, let's, we're, we're going into history a little bit, Mary is probably not a grown woman. Uh, Mary is probably 12, 13, 14 years old, somewhere in there. And so one day, Mary is out doing whatever she does, and an angel comes to her. And remember, guys, it was a different world back then, but it was still the world. And Mary is a human uh, in a world where, quite frankly, it's not super popular to be pregnant outside of wedlock, okay? And so this angel comes to Mary, and the angel says, hey, Mary, uh, I know that you're not married yet. I know you and Joseph haven't consummated your union. Y'all know what I mean, consummated your union. But you're betrothed to him, so you belong to him. But guess what? You're going to be pregnant anyway. And Mary's like, mm-hmm, okay. How exactly is that going to work? And he said, oh, don't worry. The Holy Spirit is going to mysteriously impregnate you. And she's like, okay. I think I see where we're going. Um, and, and, and I think in verse 29 or something, verse 20, it says she was concerned. Yeah, I bet she was. She's Like, how exactly is this going to go down? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm really excited about this. And then the angel says, and listen, Mary, here's, what's, here's the deal. Uh, you're going to have the baby. Oh, and by the way, that baby is going to somehow mysteriously be from the line of King David. Uh, he's going to be great. You're going to name him Jesus. He's going to change the world. Uh, and people are going to be blessed because of this child. And Mary is like, oh, my goodness. What? I mean, can you imagine how overwhelming this news must have been? Again, I, I'm not, I know that if you're a single mom in this room uh, that, that, and you weren't married when you had your baby, I know that's hard. I'm telling you, it was harder back then because th- th- these people would have been ostracized from the temple, uh, even stoned to death in some cases, thrown out of the community, treated horribly. And so this is not good news for Mary. This is concerning news. Uh, Mary uh, probably, you know, had plans for her life, and she was excited about all these different things. And now she hears you're going to be pregnant, and she's like, "Oh my gosh!" But I want you to hear how Mary responds in Luke 1:38. She says, "I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled." And then the angel left her. Mary said, "I am the Lord's servant." May your word be fulfilled in me. So what she's saying is, may everything you just said to me come true. And why does she want it to come true? Why would she want that to come true? Because that's how she planned to spend her day? You think Mary woke up that morning and said, you know what? Let's see. I'm going to milk a cow, um, put some hay, and then I'm going to deliver the Lord's baby. I don't think that was her plans. I don't think she planned to bring Jesus into the world through her womb. Matter of fact, I'm willing to bet she didn't feel qualified to do that. I'm willing to bet she didn't go to to Katie or Chris about getting connected at church and say, hey, listen, you know, um, I know you kind of need some people at the door, but I'm kind of more the like deliver Jesus kind of person. So is there like a role for me? I'm I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that's not what Mary was thinking. So why in the world is she happy about this? Because Mary sees herself as a servant. Mary sees herself as a servant. And what we're going to find out, guys, is there's a big difference between servants and volunteers. Servants believe it's their job to do the will of the master and they don't dictate the terms. Matter of fact, listen to this next verse in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. One of the translations says, Bond servant, which basically means a servant who's been paid for who's been purchased. Mary believes something that that I think has gotten lost along the way. Mary believes that she is blessed. You'll go and read the rest of it. She goes, I'm blessed. She believes she's blessed, not because God has affirmed her plans, but because God has invited her into his plans. And that's a big difference. See, servants are just excited that the master considered them at all. They don't dictate the terms. They don't come in and say, hey, I'm not going to do this or this or this or this. I only want to do this. They simply serve. Volunteers have to be begged. They have to be coerced. uh, And they don't show up if they get sick or it's raining or anything like that. But servants simply serve because that's what servants do. And Mary is like, man, you asked me to do something. It wasn't what she planned to do. It wasn't what she probably wanted to do. It wasn't probably what she'd been practicing for or preparing for. I don't know how you practice or prepare for that. Maybe some sort of divine Lamas. I, I, I don't know. But I know that when God spoke to her, even though what he asked her to do was inconvenient, it was going to cause a lot of issues in her life, her response was, the master is speaking to me? You would allow me a part in your plan? It wasn't, you know, that's not really the part I want. It was thank you for giving me a part at all. And again, I think this is something that we miss out on. We're blessed not because God has given you what you wanted, not because God spoke the word you've been waiting for. We're blessed because God has spoken it all. We're blessed because God gave us anything. The master invited me into the story knowing full well who I am and allowed me a part, I don't care what the part is, I'll take it, all right? This should be the mindset of people who understand their role in the story. And so here's your challenge. Get get out your pens, papers, your phones, whatever. Here's a challenge for you. Over the next seven days, do something you don't really want to do simply because God is asking you to do it. Uh, let me ask you this. Our audience for speech time again. Has God ever asked you to do anything you didn't want to do? Raise your hand. Yeah, of course He has. Have you, ever, yeah, have you ever negotiated with that? Yes. Like, I mean, God will say, like, hey, Tommy, you know, you should really go Friday night and serve on the streets, and I'll be like, okay, no, God, uh, no, I hear you. And like, that's a great idea for, you know, someone else, but it's cold. And you know how I feel about that? He's like, well, you hunt. And I'm like, well, that's different. <laughs> Prepared for it. I mean, God will ask us to do something, and we'll go back and tell him what we're going to do, right? Is this, how, is this how we let our kids behave? And if it is, that explains why so many of our kids are rotten. I want you to clean your room. You know what? I was really thinking, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to watch TV. You don't negotiate with children, right? They're like terrorists. You don't negotiate with them. You just tell them what you want them to do. But we negotiate with God instead of just saying, oh, you're speaking to me? Like, me? You're speaking to me? You're asking me to do anything? I'll do whatever you ask me to do. We begin to dictate the terms of the relationship. That's when I think we're out of line. We're blessed not because he affirmed us, but because he spoke to us. So for seven days, will you do something that you don't want to do simply because God's asking you to do it? Maybe you look around, there's people at this church, there's a guy who goes out there and cleans the parking lot once a week. I can promise you, he he didn't wake up and go, you know what I'd really hope to find one day, a church that lets me clean the parking lot. But this man saw trash, and he's a servant, not a volunteer, so we didn't have to ask him. He just came up and started removing it. We got people who do landscape out there. We didn't ask them to do it. They're servants, not volunteers. They saw a need and they filled it. Do you look around and see a problem and solve it? Or do you just assume it's someone else's problem for seven days, seven days isn't the rest of your life? We can go back to being consumers after that for seven days. Can we just see what needs to be done and do it simply because it's God's desire? I'm going to tell you all a story about a lady from this church and she gave me permission to say it, but I'm not going to use her name or anything. She, she came to us a while back and she had something she wanted to do here at the church. And this happens every now and then. And she was really, really passionate. Like, she really wanted to do this thing. She really wanted to be on this, this certain team. And I, I visited with her, and, and we came to the conclusion, I, I came to the conclusion, this is part of my job, and it's not a part I like, that that wasn't the best fit for her, that that wasn't really the role. And I mean, you can imagine, everyone doesn't get to do everything they want to do inside the church. And so we had this conversation, and, and we came away from it, and she cried, and I, I, I cried, because that's not a fun conversation for either one of us, Right? She's got something she wants to do, she feels called to do, and I'm, I'm saying, no, that's not the right fit for you. But at the end of the conversation, she wiped tears from her eyes, looked at me, and said, then I will do whatever God asked me to do inside this place. Guys, let me tell you something. That's the kind of people that change the world. That's the kind of people that create culture in churches. That's the kind of people that God uses to do amazing things. She didn't come in and dictate the terms of how she would serve. Put me where you need me. I love that. Yeah, amen. Yes. It's gorgeous. And so maybe for seven days, could that be our mentality in some of the areas of our lives? Whether it's here or in your home or I'll do it, God. I don't love it. I'm not getting any credit for it. But I'll do it because you're talking to me. All right, next one. Luke 2, 8 through 20. And by the way, we've got a guest uh, who's going to read this verse for us. So guest. As as I watched that, yeah, give it for Linus, sure. As I watched that uh, earlier this week, and I was putting, I was like, I was convicted a little bit because I wonder how many homes uh, there have been kids who weren't raised by parents who went to church who didn't know Jesus, and God reached into their home and planted the seed through that. And then I wonder how many of those seeds we didn't water. How many how many of those kids got got uh, what we would call um, prevenient grace, grace that comes before, pursuing grace. Uh, just through Charlie Brown, man, the, the God, God will, will fertilize the earth. We just got to go out there and keep going. But he's planting seeds, even right now. Someone will see this for the first time this year. Um, so he says something, though. He says, he says, don't be afraid. I'll bring you good news and great joy. And, and what he seems to believe is, is that this Jesus story actually brings peace and hope and joy that is actually good news for the world. And for those people who carry the favor of God and who carries the favor of God, anyone who belongs to the son, that if you belong to Jesus, this story of Jesus is good news and great joy. And so my question is this, what do you believe? What do you believe? Do you believe that the story of Jesus is good news and great joy? And does your life bear witness to that belief? Where you go, the things get better. Where you go, do you bring good news and great joy? Do you really want Christ in your Christmas? Because when He shows up, He brings good news and great joy. Or do you just want to continue to whine and complain about all the things that are wrong in this world? Do you want Christ? Because when Christ shows up, there is good news and there is great joy. Do you have contentment in your spirit? Do you have contentment in your heart? Like, I'm not saying happy. I'm not saying giddy all the time. I'm saying, is is there a joy in you that cannot be robbed? Because that's what Christ brings. And I'm not saying we don't notice the bad things in the world. We do. Of course we do. We notice the the poverty and we notice the death and we notice the disease and we notice all these things. But we have to notice them as people who know how to bounce our eyes. There's a book called Every Man's Battle and it's a book about dealing with pornography and addiction and lust and all these kinds of things. And it talks about how uh, if, if an attractive person walks in the room, you're probably going to notice them. And I'm trying to not look at the crowd because this could be a really awkward story if I make eye contact with somebody. <laughs> uh, I think he was talking to me. <laughs> but like, so the, the, he talks about how this guitar, this guitar is an attractive person. There, if, if someone you're really attracted to walks in the room, you're going to notice them. I mean, you can't, you're going to notice them, but there's a way to look. And then there's a way to, uh, just a look, right? It's the same thing with the pains and the problems in this world. We notice them. They're there. What we don't do is stare at them forever. What we don't do is dwell on them. What we don't do is allow them to manifest in our lives so much that the problems and the pains actually become our idol. They actually elevate themselves to the point where we're not comfortable looking at the happy anymore. We've looked at the pain for so long that we've become jaded and angry to the world around us. But if you believe in Christ, if you're in Christ, then not only do your actions change, your thoughts actually change. Because we always say, I can't, I can't help my thoughts. Yes, you can. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish every argument and pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. Philippians. This is the Philippians. Four. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about that. Don't tell me we can't change our thoughts, because God says I can. God says I, I can change your thoughts. Remember, you don't have to white knuckle it through life. God can actually change your thoughts. I know you're in pain, and I know there's mourning. God can bring joy. I understand there's fear, but God can bring hope. God has the power to change your thoughts. And since we say we believe that, this week, our lives will bear witness to that belief. Here's the challenge. For seven days, seven minutes a day, are y'all like, why is he using so many sevens? Hello, Revelation. right? right. Seven minutes a day, will you simply focus on what is good, pure, pleasing and holy. For seven minutes a day, will you stop and give thanks to God for the beautiful things in this world? I know you've got pain. I know you're in a situation. I know there's the money thing and I know there's the, the relationship thing and I know there's the kid thing and I know there's these things. But for seven minutes a day, will you take a break from these things and focus your eyes on the things that are beautiful? And maybe you're in the room thinking, Tommy, I got nothing i got nothing good to focus on. Then for seven minutes, you focus on the fact that there is breath in your lungs. And you thank God for the breath in your lungs. For seven minutes, you sit and, God, thank you. Thank you that I'm here. Thank you that I'm breathing. Thank you that everything they said should have killed me hadn't yet. Thank you that I've survived every single one of the worst days of my entire life, and I'm still here to praise you. You find something to be thankful for. For seven minutes for 7 days. Then after that again we can go back to just ruining everybody's parties, but for 7 minutes. For 7 minutes. And I think what will begin to happen is we'll see the pains of the world for what they are, temporary. And we'll see the joys for what they are forever. The beauties these gifts, these marvelous things that we get to share. And is there pain? Heck, yeah, there's pain. But I choose not to dwell in it. Because where I go, the world will get brighter. When I show up and say, hey, I want to talk to you about Jesus, they're not going to go, oh, boy, he's going to, this guy's miserable all the time. <laughs> when I say, let's talk about Jesus, they're going to go, man, he must think it's good news and great joy because that dude is smiling. Seven minutes. Seven minutes. Good news and great Write it down. Gratitude journaling is a beautiful thing to do. Sit and write down what is beautiful about the world around you. This isn't being Pollyanna, guys. This is being salt and light. And there's a difference. Do you believe that Christ brought good news into the world? Even amongst all the bad news, do you believe the good news is better? Does anything in your life bear witness to what you claim to believe? All right, so get your get your camera out, uh, your your pen, your paper. Here, there are four challenges for this week. The first one, do it because he said it. Do it because he said it. Do something you don't want to do because you see it and it needs to be done. And God is. I, I I think I've told you all this story before, but I'll never forget. One Sunday, I was on my way to church and I had plenty of time, and I was I was early, and uh you know and I there was this guy broke down the side of the road and everything in me said stop and help him, and you know what I did? Drove right past him. You know why? Because I'm the pastor and I had to get to church. That was probably, that could have been one of those Charlie Brown seeds that I didn't stop in water. Right? If God is telling you to do it, do it. Not because you understand it or because you get it or because it's what you've practiced and prepared for. Because he's telling you to do it. Second one is this. Seven minutes a day, focus on the good. Seven minutes a day, focus on the good. That, that may mean to turn off Fox News or CNN. It certainly means turn off Newsmax. It means seven minutes a day. Focus on what's good in the world. Maybe you even have a conversation with someone afterwards and tell them, man, you know what I love about God? Seven minutes a day. Third one, read John 1 through 3. Next week for Christmas Eve, uh, our our scripture is going to be from John. It's some of the most, to me, it's some of the most rich, uh, gorgeous parts of the Bible. Read that. And the last one is this. Guess what? Fast on Tuesday. That's right. On Tuesday, you will have no jerky. It will be jerky-free Tuesday for everybody. Fast on that day. And, and, guys, there are people actually doing these things. You can just leave those up there. There are people doing these things. Uh, I know the squirrels. I heard you all had a text chain going back and forth about it. I mean, I'm running to teenagers at the gym. There are so many people stepping together. And if you can't do it because of health reasons, call me, and I'll give you some other things to fast, probably social media. That's a great one. But step together. Imagine imagine a room full of people focusing their week on how good God is. Focusing their week on being mindful about God. Focusing their week on doing things simply because God has asked us to do them. This is how we prepare for Christmas Eve. The world needs good news. And it's our job to bring it. What do you believe? Does your life bear witness? Do you really want Christ? It's Christmas. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to The Grace Church Podcast.